This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So they're ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Christopher Schindler. Has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend. Right, welcome to another lockdown edition of the Undertakes That Chance podcast. Uh, this week we've got not one but two surprise guests as we welcome to the podcast the former Yorkshire County Cricket Club captain and now first team coach Andrew Gale and BBC Radio Leeds presenter Jamie Rayner. I'm your host Matt Shaw and joining us bowling from the Bradford Road end is Neil Wayne and caught at Silly Midoff is Richard Cozzy Kosmala. So as, as usual, this episode is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Uh, sadly, at the moment, Magic Rock is closed due to the uh, coronavirus outbreak. But the Welcome Centre, who are very close to uh, what Magic Rock do, are still open. And uh, if you've got a little bit of spare money ha- hanging around at the minute, they uh, are taking a couple of donations for people who are struggling at the moment. So uh, have a check of uh, the HTSA uh, website and social media, uh, as well as the Cowshed Loyal. And uh, if you can help out, that would be fantastic. And uh, and hopefully we come out of this uh, quite soon. Uh, good evening, everyone. How are you doing? Good evening, Very guys. Good. Excellent. So uh, welcome to to the podcast. I think what we usually like to do uh, when we get going is is talk about the journey. So we'll go to you first, Andrew. Uh, the journey of how you became a Huddersfield fan. Uh, some of your favourite games, favourite goals, memorable stories, that sort of thing. And and we'll come to you afterwards, Jamie. And if you need to lie, I'm okay with that as well. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, take away, Andrew. Yeah, um, yeah, lifelong town fan. Um, my dad, my granddad. Um, he was brought up in Edmund Wyke, which is a massive town fan area. I think uh, I can't remember my first game, but my dad tells me I was six years old at the old Leeds Road, running up and down the terraces, not watching any football, um, just more bothered about making his life a misery. I think while he was trying to watch it. Um, you know, having been in that position myself with three young kids, I know how hard it is taking kids to the football. 
and then just just the, the love for Huddersfield Town grew from there. I don't think I really had much choice for it, really. Like probably we, we all we all did with as parents, um, and then probably started to really grasp it when probably got to 10, 11, and we had uh, you know them them magical years when we were going to to Wembley, um, Warnock and. Really, really fell in love with it, and and fell in love with football. Really, that was all. Football has always been my my first love. I always wanted to be a footballer and tried my hand at it, but uh, I wasn't good enough. And cricket just happened by chance, really. But as for favourite games, um, for me, the best game I thought was the semi final at Hillsborough. Um, what a fantastic night that was! I mean, you know. The playoff final was special because we got through, but the game was bloody boring, wasn't it? And, and <laughs> it wasn't much of a spectacle, but obviously the, at the at the end of it, it was it was a magical experience to share that with, with my old boy. We were sat in the royal box that day, and it were it were a great experience. But the game at Hillsborough was uh, somewhat special. When we went one 0 down, I don't think I've ever heard a ground as loud as that. Just thought there's no way back and. We brought Thierry on Rion, didn't we? And he, he, he bossed it. Um, I think, yeah, that's my favourite favorite uh, game. I think my favourite ever town player, probably Ronnie Jepson. I always fancied myself as a bit of a rocket Ronnie in the, in the playground, sticking my chest out, getting stuck in, being a bit of a wide boy on the pitch, elbows and play tackles and all that. Um, yeah, he's probably my favourite favorite player. Favourite favorite manager... Warnock and Wagner, I think obviously you can't you can't look past Wagner, can you? What he's done for the club, but I, I look at being a town fan, how special it's been over the last sort of four or five years to to have that experience. That you know, my old boys watched him all his life. He, we watched him go down all four divisions, and he followed them home and away. And then to share the experience of them to actually get to Premier League. As we all know, it was like a dream come true, wasn't it? You just can't believe what happened, and you still pinch yourself sometimes, especially these these uh, when it's been a tough year for us this year, especially the start of the year. You sort of pinch yourself and think, actually, a year ago we were watching Premier League football. Less than a year ago, um, it's still it's it's you still pinch yourself and can't believe that it happened. Gailey, tell everyone about this horrendous shit. So my first memory of you, we used to. Uh... <laughs> He used to do some uh, netting in the winter and stuff, and I used to pretend I were a cricket as well. And there was this guy, he had a black and white Panasonic shirt, Neil, you know the one, the best mm-hmm. one, I think, one of the best we've had. But he didn't just say Gale on the back, he was a trendsetter, he said Andy Gale on it. I, I've never known anyone. I mean, is that Whopper of the Week material, Neil? I mean, your first and your second <laughs> it has to be, doesn't it? I can't believe my dad did that. It was, that I, it was every year I always got one or two town shirts for Christmas, and he put my full name on the back of it. I mean, what sort of parent does that? You know, that's... Every year, to be honest. It's like writing in the back of your underpants, isn't it, when you're little as well, and your parents writing the name tag at the back. Exactly. It's just, and, you know, at the time, you don't think anything of it because we're about nine years old or something, but I look back and I think, that's just terrible parenting, that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's open to some severe bullying, that, isn't it? <laughs> that, that were legendary, that black and white Panasonic, wasn't it? Yeah, Blackpool that away, was, yeah. That the yeah, Blackpool away. Paul Reid and Jepson got two apiece, didn't they? That was the start of a special year. I remember year. that. 
Pitch it. invasion. Game got stopped. Les Sealy would just he refused to go off the pitch. Do you remember that? Bless him. He just laid against the post. Like Neville Southall did all them years ago and just let chaos happen in front of I think I was laying against the post on South Peel on that night, to be honest. <laughs> I think there's that legendary Neil Warnock team talk at half time, isn't there, on YouTube? Yeah, that, brilliant. The Shrewsbury. Was it the Shrewsbury that? Yeah, Shrewsbury. Yeah. I was at that game. Yeah, it was absolutely. You were one of the 2,000 getting piss wet through over there. <laughs> I remember my mate and his mum and dad, and it's like, what? You know, you look back on some of the stuff you've yeah. done as a town fan. Why would you go to Shrewsbury <laughs> on a Saturday when the, probably the weather forecast were thunderstorms all day and they were wearing that black and white Panasonic top, weren't they? On the back of that video, I remember uh, seeing it on Facebook and it was only in the last six months and it was around the Christmas time and we were doing Huddersfield Town at Borough on Boxing Day, wasn't it? And it was Ian Dunn who was doing uh, the co-commentary with Oggy on that day. And we were, on, we were driving to Borough and I said to Donny, I went, I saw a video of you on Facebook, Donny. And he was like, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Because Warnock grabs Donny and he uses him as a dummy to try and show how to defend him. He said he was <laughs> as clear as, as today. He said he, he just remembers being shivering cold because it was absolutely wetting it down. All his training gear was soaked wet through. And Warnock was just ragging him around like that in the changing room. And he said he'll never forget that, that half time. And it was... It was he, it was so funny for him to like, kind of explain it. He said he can still remember the emotions of it all then. It was brilliant. We've, luckily you can't we've got, imagine any manager giving a team talk like that now, can you? <laughs> no. Luckily, we've got <laughs> Ian Dunn booked <laughs> in <laughs> soon, so uh, that'll be interesting <laughs> to hear. Don't you on that? Take, yeah. Boulder was flat there, wasn't it? So. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. What about you then, Jamie? Um, relatively new to Radio Leeds. Um, you, you seem to have taken over the sort of mantle of uh, doing... The majority of Huddersfield Town games and, yeah. and, and done it really well uh, in everybody's opinion that I've spoken to. So well done on on taking that over. Um, how it's, have only you... it's only because Johnny's binned us off now because Leeds are doing well. Sorry, not sorry if you're listening, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. But no, well, I mean, it's been it's it's kind of really just fallen into place. Really, it's not been by any means on purpose, but it it's been. It's been really nice for me this season to grow with the affiliation of, of the club and, and follow the story. And it came into this this job, into this season, very, very much kind of like rabbit in the headlights, not knowing what to expect. Um, and it's been really nice to, I suppose, follow the journey, really, and and, and have a good understanding. Of, I'm glad somebody's of, enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I think what one thing that's been really clear to me was the, the emotion and you learn that really quickly of of, yeah. of how the town fans were feeling coming into this season and um and and I think that's why I use the word journey because it, it's felt like a, a journey from from that game I, I won't forget that game um against Lincoln City in, in the League Cup um at, at the John Smiths and and the feeling after that I and uh, yeah, I've tried to forget that one. Yeah, and then and then from that point to to where town find themselves now, obviously for a little while in lockdown. But um, it, it's been it's been an education for me, and it's certainly taught me a lot about the game off the field as as well as on the field as well. And you learn a lot about um, the dealings behind the scenes and and what goes on to run a football club and. I, it's quite nice to go into it, not not looking at it from a football fan's perspective and having that opinion, um, but actually thinking about it more professionally and and um, yeah and, and where where town have really come in, in the last 
eight or nine months. And of course, you've uh, developed into a, a big Huddersfield fan, haven't you, Jamie, for the benefit of the listeners as well? Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm a devout Terrier, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So how, how do you guys think the season's gone so far? So we'll open that up to, to both of you to just jump in as and when you, you want to do. So what did you expect maybe at the start of the season? Obviously relegated with 16 points wasn't wasn't the best, um, to put, put it mildly. Uh, what were you expecting this season? Jan Zivert came when uh, probably, you know, we all think that was the right decision in the end. Uh, any key players that you think have, have really stepped out? You know, Lewis O'Brien in particular, uh, for, for me, has stepped out of the shadows and become a real uh, a real top-class player for us. Um, and, and maybe your player of the season so far, just so if we get any more that can disagree with Cosy on his uh, Sky Sports uh, thing. <laughs> I'll let the first team coach go first. <laughs> um, my expectations coming into the season were we were going to finish, I thought, 14th. I thought that was... Uh, realistic. I thought some town fans were getting a little bit ahead of themselves and, oh, we're getting the playoffs. Um, you know, I've been being in professional sport, they always say winning is a habit and it, and it is. You know, you turn up for games when you're on a good run, even if you're not the best team and you just sort of have that feeling amongst yourselves that you're going to beat anyone. And town hadn't won for so long. I just thought if they didn't start off that well, then you know, under Siva, it could it could have well it did end in tears. Um, I thought it was the right thing to give him his head and, and you know give him a chance at the start of the season. He deserved that opportunity because he had a bit of a dummy past, didn't he? There's nothing much he could have done with, with that team in the in the Premier League. Um, but my expectations were you know mid table, mid to lower table, and um, but I didn't expect us to start as badly as we did and. You know, having watched it at the start of the season, it was it wasn't great football either. The, you just couldn't see a way forward or a way out of it, and and you're wondering how, how things could change because the we've gone the recruitment was so bad as well. Um, so I think you're right in saying Lewis O'Brien stand out. You know, we we look like we've got a real player on our hands there. Um, you know, Callum Grant carried on from where he left off in the Premier League, showed all the signs that you think um, he's, he's got what it takes to be a, a good championship player, uh, if not a Premier League player. Um, but things have changed so fast, haven't they? You look at the team that we had at the start of the year and, and where we're at now, you look at people as probably someone like Mounier, really. We, we wrote him off a little bit and he, was a, he is a fan's favourite, but at the start of the season you were thinking you know what's going on with him um, he's come back and, and done and done really well and hit some form um, but I, my sort of summary of the season is improving mm. lacking consistency but improving you can see there's a bit of a method there now at the start of the season you're thinking what's going on what what they're trying to do how they're going to play the football but at least when you turn up now like when we were under Wagner you can see how they're going to set up there's consistency with selection. You can see what they're trying to do. And they're starting to, to win some games now as well. And I thought it was a, a, you know, a shame when this lockdown came because I felt like we were just starting to get some momentum as a club. I felt like we were, although we're still down there in the relegation battle, I, felt, I never felt in danger under the cowlids that we're going to get relegated. And I know that's a little bit arrogant when people always say, you know, we're too good to go down. But... You know, under the Cowlers, I've never felt like we, we were looking behind. I've always felt like we were looking up. 
What about you, Jamie? You saw both Jan Ziva and um, Danny and Nikki Cowley together. How how uh, how, uh, how, do, how do they? I know they differ in a lot of ways, but how do you see that they differ in their approach and how and how you've seen things develop uh, down at Canal Side when you've been down? Uh, I, yeah, it's a, it's a good question, really. I, I think. I think Jan ultimately for, for as nice as a person as he was, and, and I think, you know, he, he tried so hard to get the best out of the team that, that he'd been given and he'd inherited and, and he clearly put a lot of work in over the over the preseason, which I, I agree with Gailey. I think he rightly deserved that chance to have a go, have a full preseason, um and, and at least have a good go at the start of the championship. But when you compare the the two styles and the two setups, I I, I really feel like Danny and Nicky Cowley are are, are really football people uh, they understand the English game which I think is a massive massive benefit for them I think Jan came into a, a job that personally and, I, and I'd hate to say it but it was just a bit too far ahead of him at that moment in time I think he would I would agree with what Phil said on on the podcast not long ago that I think he's a really good coach but I don't think he's a manager um, and I think that that Danny and Nicky have really taken the time to understand the individuals, understand the players. And I, I actually think it comes from, from their, their upbringings as teachers. You, you, you have to be able to look after personalities, don't you? You have to understand people's strengths and weaknesses and you, and you, you use that within a collective group. And, and I think that they've done that. Like They've given everyone a chance uh, as, as players, whether they're at the club now or not, whether we agreed with the, the attitude of some players or not, they gave them that chance. They were brave enough to make bold decisions. And, and I think that's a reflection of them as people and their ambition to, to be the best that they can be. I mean, it, there's no doubt that, that they will go on to do bigger and better things because of the way that they've, they've galvanised this group of players and they've got Huddersfield Town into a position now where I believe, like Gailey says, I do think they'll, they'll stay up if we get this season back underway. And, and it was a shame that... It stopped when it did. I thought the Charlton win was a real turning point in the Cowleys' time at Huddersfield Town. I don't think just the result, but the the way that, that Huddersfield played, that they, they rose to the occasion. I mean, we were talking on the show before the game about how it'll be a real test of character of these players, and, and they just got it right. And to, to win by four goals to nil, and, and the icing on the cake was, you know, Bakuna getting that, that goal at the end. It just felt like... Danny and Nicky Cowley had a real swagger about what they were doing at Huddersfield Town. And I've got friends who who live in Lincoln. I've got a friend who works for the Lincoln Echo, And, you know, he, he talks to me often. He's a Lincoln fan as well. And talks to me often about the connection that Danny and Nicky Cowley had with the fans there. And I did start to feel that, particularly in that Charlton result and the way that a lot of the fans, a lot of the younger fans came down to the front of the, the touchline to speak to them and there was a moment where they, they resonated with one another. I don't think Jan ever had that relationship with the town fans. Um, it was testing circumstances for him. It was a sinking ship when he came in and, and I think it was a really harsh reality for him. But um, but yeah, I think they're football people and I think that they get the values and the morals of Huddersfield Town and, and they reflect that. How far do you think you can take Huddersfield Town, Jamie, in your opinion? Um, personally, I, I think... I think they will feel like I think they will feel like they can take Huddersfield Town to the playoffs. That'll be a real, real ambition for them. I haven't seen anything to suggest otherwise because of not only what Danny and Nicky Cowley are doing, but I think Phil Hodgkinson has to come in for a, a hell of a lot of praise. I think the decisions that he's made this season 
not only bringing Danny and Nicky in, but that January window alone showed to me the intent that, that Danny and Nicky Cowley have with this football club. I thought it was smart business. I thought the players that they brought in were exactly what Huddersfield Town needed. And I spoke earlier about learning about things off the field. I've learned so much about what teams need. And, and Gailey will know this from playing cricket in, in the dressing room, that the, the values and the characters that you need in a dressing room, the synergy and the and the, the collectiveness. And I think that's what they've really done to this Huddersfield Town squad. You look at the... People will say Emil Smith-Rowe will be the standout signing because of the performances that he's put in. The fact that he's come from Arsenal, he's a great, great player. There's no doubt about that. But... For me, bringing in players like Harry Toffolo, who are very humble individuals, who, who have worked up the leagues to get to their position, there's no, there's no ego there. There's no, there's no feeling that they, they should be playing at a higher level. They work hard because they're always striving to improve. And I think the likes of Richard Stearman with a level head to replace that from Tommy Elphick, which was a big loss for them. Um, they've, they've just got the right bodies around them. So I think with that in mind, if they can continue that recruitment, build on the relationships that they've brought together already with the Premier League sides like Chelsea, like Arsenal, and look towards whatever this transfer window is going to be when we get back underway, that they can bring the right players in. And, and that's what's really impressed me is, that, is how they've done that in such a short space of time. They clearly know the bodies that need to be in the dressing room if they're going to take this, this football club forward. So... I, I would say mid-table, but I think if they can push for the playoffs as early as next season, which is, you know, anything can happen in the Championship, we've, we've learnt that this season, um, that it, it could be a possibility. If you look at their form from when they came in, did they start on about ninth game of the season they took over? So yeah, from yeah. Ninth, ninth, sort of 19 games in, we're done, aren't we? We've got a point on board and you're thinking... We're going straight. We're doing a Sunderland here. We're going straight through. Uh, so to actually go out and get two managers who are building reputations for themselves and a good one, it shows a lot about them too that they were ballsy enough to take a job with a team that looks like it's on a, a massive downward spiral. So they clearly back themselves. But if then if you take their record from the first win at Stoke to now, it's top seven, eight form, and that's with a team that's on the back of eighteen months of. Well, just been awful, hasn't it? Let's be honest. There's no, no, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Is it's been awful. So to to do that sort of from a standing start with a squad that was failing on epic scale, give them another transfer window in summer, whenever that may be. This transfer window, God knows. But all things being equal, another transfer window for them. And I genuinely, genuinely back them to get us in the top six because this league, I'll be honest, it's no special. This this league isn't a league where I haven't gone any week yet and thought, bloody hell, these are good. I've not seen a special team yet. And I, I know West Brom and Leeds are walking away with it. And Leeds, Leeds fully deserve to beat us last game we played. We were poor that day. They were well worthy winners. But I still have not seen a team that I think can go into that Premier League and shine. The, the Championship is a dog-eat-dog -dog league. And on that point, Neil... Let's not forget that going into that, that game, the last game that Huddersfield Town played against Leeds, that both sides went into that game off the back of 4-0 wins. And yeah. Town fans and Town and Danny Cowley will have all felt very confident going into that game that they could go to Ellen Road and at least get something. Yeah. And I would say that that is, as you quite rightly say, is a, is a reflection of the championship table. There, is, there are no teams in that, that that take it 
and go, yeah, we're going to absolutely dominate this season. I agree. I, agree. I know oh, what you're saying, Jamie, but I, I'd say we're miles off uh, any of the top six. I know what you're saying, Neil, and teams, when you watch them on telly, you don't think, oof, they're going to hit us. But, mate, any time we've come up against top quality, we've, we were nowhere near. We were nowhere near Leeds. I know it might be a bad gauge because, obviously, they're top of the league and... You know, but we were miles off that day. Coming off the back, like you say, of a, you know, a big win against uh, Charlton, kind of the week before. So I know I, I just think you've got to temper that. Done a brilliant job. I'm really grateful to where we are. And let's be honest, we're only is it three off the bottom four? So let's yeah. not get carried well, away I, with I, that. I get that, but if you look at table now, if you look at table now, Leeds and West Brom are worthy. We murdered West Brom for half a game, and then they taught us a new one in second half. Fulham, we murdered for best part of an hour, but give them a three-goal start. Brentford, we beat. Forest, we beat. Preston, we, we wouldn't get out of Preston if we put Man United's 1999 title winning side out. To be fair, we're never going to get out of them. Millwall, I mean, Millwall, they're eighth. Come on. Bristol City, we beat as well, and they're up there. Bristol City, we beat. They're seventh. We murdered them and all, to be fair. So, it's I think, uh, this, this, this league's out. The most encouraging thing was the recruitment, wasn't it? Which we yes. haven't seen for a while. You know, yeah. since Wagner came in and he brought his his German recruits that lasted the test of time, his recruitment after that was a bit part really. But we saw an instant impact from the Cowleys with the with the recruitment that they made in January. Some real solid solid acquisitions are made there, and they changed it quite quickly. You know, and they. You could see him walking into a, a training ground there, which we've all seen a workplace or a training ground where it was very disparted. It was, you could see, you could imagine it on the training ground where there's groups of players just talking, backstabbing the others, and they give everyone the head and laid the law down, I would imagine, and then over a period of time got rid of the bad eggs and They've, they've managed, I think Jamie touched on it, they, they, they've found out which people they want and we've all seen good cultures and good environments and if that is 80% of the battle, I reckon, if you get that, yes, you need players with good skill and tactical awareness and what have you, what have you, but if you get good people who genuinely yes. care about the cause, you've got half a chance and going into this season, I reckon half of that squad didn't, They'll probably say they wanted to do well, but I don't think deep down they really did. Gary, can I ask you? I tell you what, I want to ask everyone this question: the team that we went up with in the championship season compared to what it is now, how, how far off do you think it might be an unfair question? But how far off do you think we are compared to that team? Because I look at that team that went took us up. I think I think they'd beat us three one. That, 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 what do you reckon, Neil? That team that went that took us up would win this league now with that manager, right. though. I think. Yeah, yeah. All, all things equal, our 2017 team wins this league now, and I don't even think it's a contest. And that ain't been that's not bravado after event. That that team was a bloody good side, and I've not seen anybody. In, in, and if you go back to that season, Brighton were a good side, New, Newcastle were a good side, and there were two or three others in and amongst that were decent sides. We we would win this league this season. In, Neil, that, Neil, that's a good question though. What compared to the team we've got now, how far is it off that team? Cosy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium, you're right near the pitch, great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in, order now on the McDonald's app. 
At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. A fair way off, but... That said, this league now isn't as, comp- isn't as good quality-wise at the top end as it was then, in my opinion. I, I think, think, it's, I think yeah. it's a difficult question to answer, though, bearing in mind the, the contrast of the leagues. But that team was a, a David Wagner team. You know that you've we, we talked about. I know the the, the Leeds United player, Huddersfield player, I think caused a bit of a furore, didn't it? That Phil Hodgkins <laughs> said the other week. But I think if you look at that Huddersfield Town team. A lot of those players played better because of David Wagner. And since before and after David Wagner's been, uh, those players have kind of dipped and gained. You know, you're talking Tommy Smith, you could argue Hogg, um, Kachunga. There's a number of players who've just kind of dipped off. And Rajiv Van Lepara is probably a great example. He's been released by Red Star, I think, today. Under David yeah. Wagner, he was unplayable at times. And uh, I think that team was very specifically a David Wagner team. So it's very, it'd be difficult to kind of put those players under Danny Cowley because they're not quite his, his sort of German clique, if you like. But I think it would mm. be very interesting if Danny Cowley was given carte blanche like David Wagner was to bring in the type of personalities and the type of players that he could, uh, you know, get the best out of like that. And you look at, you know, we'll use Leeds as an example because it was used and, and Huddersfield very similar in that they were better as a sum of all parts rather than a team of individuals like Fulham. Fulham have probably got the best individuals in this league this season, arguably, you know, we hear Mitrovic's, Tom Kearney's, et cetera. But the best teams are the ones with the best managers who get the right, uh, like you said, Jamie early synergy blend in, you know, that chemistry and David Wagner's chemistry with those players was just magic. And I think it's very difficult. It'll be very difficult for us to re- recreate that um, without well, that's spending. Hey, that's what Phil was saying last week. Lee, Leeds are top at league at the moment because they've got the best manager in the league. They haven't got the best squad, not by not by a stretch, but they've got a manager who has drilled them like Wagner did. So they're, they're like robots almost. They know everything that's going to happen in any shape, any, any way on that pitch at any point. They know where they should be, defending, attacking, etc. It's just completely regimented from A to Z, and that's, and that's why they look such an accomplished side this season. Brilliantly organised, yeah. Brilliantly but, uh, look at Stoke City. Look at Stoke City. Mm. You know the, the players that they've got, the the yeah. individuals that they have in that squad. You would you would if you look that on paper at the start of the season, you would say, yeah, I think Stoke will be in in the mix in in the top top six. And the way that they've they've had a bit of a resurgence, and you know they're seventeenth now, but they should be if you were to put it on player ability alone and and the pedigree and the CV, you would suggest that they should be far far higher up the table than they are. And, and for me, I think they are a perfect example of, of why it's too easy as a, as a, as a pundit or a, or a fan or whatever to, to look at it and, and, and read too much into it. And, and almost you can underestimate the, the ability or, or the, the, the benefit you can have of having everyone singing from the same hymn sheet, everyone working for the same common goal. 
And I think I personally feel like I know that was one of the, the massive factors of, of Huddersfield Town getting into the Premier League. But I, I can't see, I think, I think that's what Danny and Nicky Cowley are trying to do right now. I think it's trying to, to create that common goal, trying to create that synergy. We've used it again, that word. And I wouldn't be surprised when we look at recruitment going forward of seeing more players from particularly League One, maybe League Two, players who are, who are willing to fight and work for the cause and, and working towards what Danny and Nicky Cowley both feel is, is, is the same common goal. And I think with that collectiveness, you'll, you'll see a, a much more improved Huddersfield Town than the one we're seeing now, which is definitely improved from what we've seen at the start of the season. Uh, probably a good time to bring Gailey and Gailey sat sat what <laughs> sat listed to this. Would you agree as a as a first team coach yourself at Yorkshire? Is it is what percentage would you say is down to player personality and what down it what's down to uh, unique individual talent? You do need skillful players. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about that. You're not going to bring a lot of League Two players in and expect them to to get you promoted into to the Premier League. Same with cricket. You, do, you need good players. You need skillful players, but you need good personalities as well. And and people, people who care, people who care what you're about, people who care for each other and care for the cause. And that's what we saw with David Wagner. In my time as a cricketer, that's what we had at Yorkshire when we won back-to-back championships. We had a group of players that they, they cared about each other, and there was no. We didn't sit down and have meetings about. This is what we want to achieve. It was almost expected. You know, you play for Yorkshire, you turn up, you're expected to win games, you're expected to win um, trophies. So we didn't we didn't need that sort of common goal. But between us, we all knew that we we wanted to win trophies. Um, that was expected of us. So, but we cared about each other's performances. If we if there were guys who were left out, you wanted them to do well. Yes, you wanted their place in the team. But you you still cared about them as a minute, and um, you could see that with, with Wagner, couldn't you? The, you know the the holding hands and whatever. In some teams, that would have been you could see a team who wasn't together being a bit like, mm, why are we doing this? But they were all on board with that. They were they were all on board. They all cared about each other. Even the bench um, players that came on. Look at someone like Heffley, who wasn't the best player in the world, but. Um, he, he was a, a massive part of that season, wasn't he? Because he was a good egg, a, a guy who cared about the club and cared about his teammates. And I, I think, as I said before, if you can get the right people in place, you've got half a chance. You can have the best players in the country, but if if they don't care about the club and what you're trying to do, you haven't got a chance at all. And you can see Danny Cowley walking into that when he came in half a dozen guys just going you know yeah, not for me not for me and, yeah. and their agents on the phone already talking about deals in January yeah. um, getting distracted from what you're trying to achieve as a club and um, like I say fair play to the blokes that they've changed that around fast because that must have been a bloody nightmare I reckon they walked into that and it was worse than what they yeah. thought I reckon they walked into that and 100%. after a week they would have been going Jesus, I know things were bad at the bottom of the league, but they're playing completely toxic. Completely toxic. Yes, yeah. it's, so, it's so true what you say, though, Jamie and, and Jay. I mean, that Stoke team that gave us a good pumping on New Year's Day. I mean, to be fair, we were beaten and won't we after an hour, but that team should be on paper, yeah, minimum playoffs. Yeah. And 
look at it. I think they're still below us out there. They might just be above us, but it just shows, doesn't it? It's not all about the names on the back of the shirts, is it? Well, I'll tell you what sums it up with, with the names on the back of the shirts is a good way to use it. Because when we rocked up um, for the Leeds game at home and we saw the team sheet, everybody were buzzing because there were seven academy lads you've never heard of sat on the bench. Everyone delighted that there were no Congolo, no Diakabi, no Mbenza, mm. no Everybody were chuffed to bits that they were nowhere near it and they'd been banished. And that's, I think that shows you how far it had gone down behind the scenes and how toxic an environment it was on the training ground that the cows got to the stage where they've just binned off the best part of, what, 60 million quid's worth of players? And put, that and, takes character, and, doesn't and it? Yeah, absolutely. For, yeah. For, 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 for a management team who have, who have been bred in the non-league, who've done success in League 2 and League 1, you know, it's their first season in the Championship. What That, that game was early December, so they're more or less two months into a, a job in the Championship. To have the the character to be able to drop that amount of money, for me, I mean that that takes that takes balls really, doesn't it? I mean to to be able to do that, and and that's I think I think despite the result wasn't didn't go Huddersfield Town's way. I think I think Town fans respect that more because it's like you're clearly seeing what the problem is. You're identifying it early, and you're having the character to go. Now this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to take the, the team going forward. And I think now that's a product of what we've we've seen now and why we've seen Huddersfield hopefully will continue to, to remain in the championship because they've, they've clearly laid down the law and they've said this is how we are going to play and this is the way that we and this is what we expect of you as, as footballers and, and I'll, whenever we do the press conferences whenever we speak to Danny after the game the, the, the word that you always hear is, is humble it's always about being humble and it's about having the good values and, and the core the core characteristics, and, and I, that's one thing I've always kind of felt like this was a match made in heaven because Town see themselves as a working class club, club with working class values, and, and I, I genuinely believe that that's what Danny and Nicky Cowley stand by. If, you, if you've got that common feeling between the two, it's natural that you're going to go forward. It's just having the right characters in the dressing room to be able to achieve that. Jamie, were you at Bristol City when Town yeah. got hammered 5-2? What was it like after that? Because I think I think that was the watershed moment, wasn't it, where yeah. Adama Diakabi, I don't think, has ever recovered from that day. Oh, yeah. Congolo, he's, he's not had a good one either. And all of a sudden, you know, Congolo and Benza um, and, you know, Diakabi, et cetera, they're, they're all cut missing. Uh, what was the sort of atmosphere like after the game when you got to interview Danny? And was there a real sort of uh, switch change from the sort of nice, amiable, you know, sort of Essex guy that he was to? Because there seemed to be some real sort of frost, uh, you know, like a glaze that that come over him that day. Yeah, I think I think the glaze is a really good way of putting it, actually. And and it was it was Oggy who spoke to him after the game, and and we were we were travelling back from from Bristol on the train, and 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 Oggy was saying to me, you know, you you hear what's said. But you, you you miss out on the on the the body language of, of of the way it's being said, and and I'm always keen to ask Oggy, what, you know, what was he like? What was he like before and afterwards? And and I think yeah, I think the, there's there's this glaze of, of of disappointment, probably frustration, anger as well. And I don't think that the Danny and Nikki Cowley had experienced footballers like that personally. I don't think they they'd seen players that weren't willing to to fight tooth and nail for the badge. I don't think they'd experienced that in on the level that 
that they experienced in the Bristol game. Um, the immediate emotion, you know, we were doing the phone in afterwards, and, and I mean, naturally, there was, was panic, um, desperation from fans who, who who gave us a call, and you used the 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 uh, the the, light, the lightness Neil of, of Sunderland. There was a, there's a definite feeling of thinking, God, this is this is really really bad. This isn't looking good at all. And I and I you know, I was anticipating one of the questions coming before this as to what what was the 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 worst game, and I think that one probably was because it was it was just such a, a definitive moment in the season, and I think probably one of the best results for Danny in the sense that he learned a lot about what was needed moving forward. And actually, I would I'm going out on a whim here, but I would say that Town wouldn't have enjoyed the sex, success that they've had unless that result hadn't happened. Because I think in that in that five two defeat, I think Danny and Nicky Cowley thought right, we don't want that player, we don't want this player, we don't need that player anymore. Not at this football club if we're going to move forward. So I think it's it was essential for something like that to happen, to turn to turn a corner. I think the weird thing about that game, though, is that we talk about that Brentford game, Neil. I remember watching that when I was away in Spain. I'm thinking, we've kind of arrived here. We'd beaten Barnsley the week before Brentford. I thought we had definitely turned a corner. So for you to say that, Jamie, that were only three weeks after Bristol. It were like, it were almost as if that would have forced on them too. And it's like I said, total credit to him for, you know, to really, you know, well, he just revolutioned the team. And obviously that Leeds game didn't go to plan, but I thought we'd give him a good game. We just couldn't finish. And then we went to Charlton famously uh, three days later with similar setup and uh, got that amazing win about 10 o'clock at night. So it's uh, like you say, when you put it like that, some big baldy decisions made by a guy two months into a championship uh, management career, that could easily gone the other way and he could be, well, that, he's just not got that level, you know. Yeah. So, like you say, too right. I want to ask a question to Gailey, actually, on, on the point of, of, we were saying Lewis O'Brien might potentially be Town's player of the season so far and look at how many academy players were in that starting 11 uh, against Leeds in, in, the, in the home game. How, how important is it to have players in your side or in your squad that have come through the ranks at a, a club. And there's so many Yorkshire players coming through at the moment for you who have, have been there since they were young and they understand the values of, of the cricket club. Like town, they've got a good academy system in place now. And we're seeing the fruits of, of some of the, the work that's happened. How important is it as a coach to have that? I think it's massive. I mean, you look at Lewis O'Brien, he's a role model really for the club, isn't he? Because he's, he's the guy that when he goes out, He's representing what Huddersfield Town is about. And we can all relate to that. And he sets a precedent, I think, for the rest of the players. So when you sign players from the outside, they must look at Lewis O'Brien now and go, he's come through the ranks here. The fans love him. Why do they love him? Because he puts a shift in, he gets stuck in, puts a foot in, and he cares. He probably you can see him sat on that bus, can't you, when they lose. Distraught. Everything you've said there, Gail, is spot on. But the two words that really stand out there are he cares. Yeah. And that's when, when you're sat in stands watching your team, they can rock out, they can get beat 5 2 at Bristol, but there's a way to lose 5 2. If you lose 5 2 in the manner that we did, it's disgraceful. But if you lose 5 2, having a go, they're just better than you. And you I can generally you're happy with that, aren't you? I think town fans are quite lenient, aren't they? If yeah. if they see guys on the field trying yeah. and 
and playing hard, Give and working shit. hard, they'll all, they stay after and clap you off. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. They're not, you know, no disrespect to Leeds fans, but their expectations of the players are very, very high. If they get beat 2-0 and they've worked hard, they will have a go at yeah. their own players. Yeah. But we, we're not like that because we know where we've come from. Um, and getting the, as it goes back to getting the right people is key. And for me, I learned some valuable lessons in my first couple of years as, as captain where we had some really, really top draw players. Um, you know, one player that stands out and Jason Gillespie came in and after four games of the season, he got rid of him. He'd been playing for England six months earlier and I was a bit shell-shocked and he just said, can't have this bloke, don't want to travel on the team coach, don't want to come to team meals, wants to train when he wants to train, um, do what he wants during training. Not having it. And I was, I was captain at the time going, mate, he's one of our best players, you can't do that. And he said, nah, it's right. And we brought some younger lads in and the team flew after that. He was actually holding the rest back. Uh, you can imagine this year that there were town players in that team, the Congolas of the world, doing that. He was dragging the rest of the, the, the lads down in that team. And soon as, it's no coincidence, soon as they got rid of someone like that, they started putting a shift in. They started working harder. Yeah. Um, and our expectations of them all went up. Uh, I think Elias Kachunga is the perfect example of that in terms of that leniency, because it, it's been a, a, a bone of contention for town fans, for, for I feel, anyway, I don't know what you lot think, over the last few months, because everyone knows what he's done for the club, and everyone admires how he helped that wonderful dream come true. But I think he'd be the first one himself to accept that he's not been at the level that, that is necessary for Huddersfield Town, if they're going to be... I mean, look at how the impact that Chris Willock's had on that right-hand side already. But... Town fans appreciate and respect the fact that he, he works hard when he's out on the field. He might not be the, the most natural on the, on the ball, but he, he'll get back and defend. He, will, he, he, use, he cares. You use that phrase again, yeah, Neil. He cares. Yeah. So you, you find yourself in this really awkward, I want to say argument, but discussion, where there's one half who go, come on, let him off. He's been amazing. He's, he's, a, he's a bastion of the club and, he, and he's, he's, he's helped us get to where we've got to. But on the flip side, there's others that are saying, if we want to move forward, though, we, we need to we need to we need to drop him. So, I, and it's it's a fascinating insight when you sat there and you're trying to be as mo- as neutral as you can to try and balance the debate. Sentiment it, gets in the way fully with Kachunga and Kwan. Yeah. This is it, it. It does, but I, I think there's a lot of Jamie's right in what he's saying. I think there's a lot of argument behind Kachunga getting so many appearances. Rightly, wrongly, it's a totally different question. But I think when you're looking at getting the balance right of a team where you've got so many who have down tools and so many dissenters behind the scenes. If you've got somebody who is uniting the dressing room, like you can imagine Kachunga will be doing, and fighting for the club on and off the pitch, sometimes it does end up being more more about that than the quality, and especially the situation that we've been in. I think you do need those guys. And don't get me wrong, is he still good enough? Probably not, if we're being brutally honest. Would you pick Will above him? Probably. He got his timing right with um, when he when he left him out because when he came in, he knew that Kachunga was a six or seven every yeah. week, six or seven out of ten. Yeah, okay. he wasn't going to tear it up. He wasn't going to win you a game, but he didn't know what he was getting from the rest of them. Yeah. When he started to know what he was getting from the rest of them, 
then he could take a punt on that right hand side on someone like Willock because you don't, you know, Willock can be a three out of ten one game and a seven yeah. or eight out. He could even be a nine out of ten. We've seen, you know, that game when he scored and and came on. But mm-hmm. he, I think his timing that was that was a smart move by Cowley. That one thing I remember Kachunga that sums up the guy. I mean, his sentiment, but. That Stoke City game again on New Year's Day. I think he'd failed a late fitness test and I was in that fan zone just behind the away end. And he hobbled there. I mean, we could, he was really struggling. But he went there so he could sign the autographs with the kids. I'd have his picture taken with the kids. It was like two o'clock. He, he could, you know, if that were anyone else, and to be honest with me, I'd be thinking, ah, do I have to can't be asked? I've got a good excuse not to do it. But he did. Mm-hmm. And I think that says everything about the guy. And I, my gut feel is that we'll be saying goodbye to him uh, come whenever the season ends. But you know what? only positive memories and he will I'm not saying be a town known as a town legend maybe but someone who we'll look back fondly for sure I think bit of an icon definitely yeah absolutely okay uh, that's the end of part one of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast uh, with uh, Jamie Rayner and Andrew Gale uh, thank you for listening so far what I'll do is I'll uh, post part two up online quite shortly so uh, hopefully you enjoyed that and uh, we'll come back for the second part to end this episode uh, here is a song called uh, come let your hair down by an artist called fiery breeze uh, a group of uh, huddersfield town fans so uh, hopefully if you like this you can you can find these guys on uh, on spotify and all over the place and and check the link for the podcast and i'll uh, i'll pop that there as well so you go on home and you sit in your room and you think now when and how am i ever going to get away from this and now you know Come let your hair down Tonight we will walk these streets I used to walk them alone Now we will walk together
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via muck delivery afterwards. Three points, nut nugget share box, spot on. Order muck delivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> 